You're listening to a Crossroads original podcast. In my singleness, I also grew a lot in my experiences are God's. You know, he gave me these. He let me go through all this and I don't need to cling to them and hide them. I can use it to try to further the kingdom, to try to spread God's word, to try to do all those things. So either I can be self-conscious and just keep it to myself or I can put it out there and trust that God will maybe do something with it. (laughs) My name is Misha Watson and you're listening to My Single Story. We explore the blessings, the hardships, and the cringeworthy moments of Christian singleness. Before we get stuck into today's interview with author Hannah Shermerhorn, I'd love to read an excerpt from her book, A Single Life to Live. We call this story Picture Imperfect. I could not believe that things were turning out just like I had always hoped. We planned when we got married, where we would work, where we would live, and how many kids we would have. We booked our venue, told our friends and family the wedding date, met the photographer, chose the color palette, and ordered the dresses. But then we got a package in the mail, and it contained two little booklets from our photographer. There was a his booklet and a hers booklet of... How well do I really know my fiance? I thought I would get every question right. I thought we had talked about every detail of each other's lives, but I was wrong. Most of the pages were filled with lighthearted questions like what is their favorite color or what is their favorite movie? But on one of the pages in the booklet, there was a particularly serious question. It asked, has he gotten over an addiction? I felt pride as I answered the question. You see, when we had first started dating, my fiance and I had to put in some real relationship work after he, heartbroken, admitted to me about his struggle with addiction. He hated it. My heart felt for him. And we worked through the books. We went to counseling. We did soul searching, everything we could to get him through it. And by our third year of dating, I thought the addiction had been gone for a long time. But the problem with addiction, I learned, is that it can come back with a vengeance. So when I told him the answer to, has he ever gotten over an addiction? I said yes, with a big smile on my face. And he admitted that the answer was actually no. The addiction had come back. And he had been struggling deeply for the past few months without my knowledge. I've never experienced anything close to the depth of the sinking feeling I had in that moment. I dealt with his addiction in dating, and I knew it would break me in marriage. I want to pause here and say something very important. If you are dealing with addiction or have dealt with one in the past, you are not unlovable. You are not unworthy. A counselor would be much better to help with that than I. But if you stick with me through the full story of this book, I will also share the parts of my story that tell you how valuable you really are. Ladies and ladies, welcome back to My Single Story. I am so excited for this interview. We have gone through so many technical difficulties to get to this moment. And I think it's because the message that we're about to share today um, is important. And I think there's generally a lot of mishaps that happen along the way. And actually, the story is about what happens after, you know, difficulties happen in your life. So I'm really excited to to get started. So ladies and gentlemen, please welcome our guest for today, 
Hannah Shermhorn. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I am like super pumped because first of all, I wanted to say thank you. And um, I thank you for being on the show, but also thank you for writing a book about singleness and about your calling and about life in your singleness. Because I genuinely feel like as we're preparing this podcast and we want to speak to single women, so often um, people wait until they're married to tell their single story and then they show God's faithfulness through the married part. And I'm like, well, I mean, isn't it a stronger story if we talk about his faithfulness when we're actually still in it and we don't have the hindsight? Right, right. Totally. Yeah. And so I'm just really grateful that you've written this book. First of all, I'm going to throw up to the camera here. A single life to live. So pumped. Um, So let's get started. So. First of all, I wanted to read a part of the book. Part of the reason why you are on this podcast today is because you get it. Like in this book, there's so many parts I literally highlighted being like, oh gosh, yes. Oh gosh, yes, that's me. And so (laughs) I'm going to read a part of it. Oh girl, like literally, it's so good. So I highlighted this part. Okay, Um, here we go. So this is like the story moment. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Being single can feel a lot like being picked for the B team. The A-team, a.k.a. your married friends, are celebrated people. Beautiful parties are thrown with presents and fancy dresses when they get engaged and married. Everyone loves their cute couple photos that are plastered all over social media. They are leaders at work and in church. They are admired by their community and children grow up to be just like them. But... What's left for the B team? That's us. All we get are pitied looks from friends and family when we go by ourselves to weddings and for celebrations for the A team. At work, we're easily chosen for the extra projects and late nights because we do not have a family to go home to. At church, we're given all the tasks and service projects other people don't want because we are blessed with so much free time in our singleness. Girl. You get it. You get, tell me about (laughs) this moment right here when you're writing that, like where were you at in this moment mentally, spiritually, like that you just like engage so perfectly with the life of a single woman. What's going on? Thank you. I feel like, yeah, there's just so much of, I think so many years of being single and just being frustrated by society and friends and even people in the church and how they felt about singleness. And then how I started feeling about singleness, how I went from being upset about it to being really excited about it and just seeing this really sharp contrast between what people were telling me and what singleness could actually be. Literally. I just feel like there's always these questions of um, what is it like to be single? Uh, Usually my married friends, what they care to discuss is the dating app. And it's like, that's such a small percentage of what it's like to be a single woman, but um, Mm -hmm. they skip to it. And I I like in your book how it's not even necessarily about dating. Like it's not a dating book. It's, it's, it's more about like life in general. Um, I like did a whole stalk on you and like you did do like a sermon back in the day. Actually, probably was only probably a year and a half ago Mm -hmm. where you talked about um, your calling in life and what um, you're up to in a sense, like, you had such a cool life. You got to go to England. I saw a photo of you like at um, nine and three quarters in London where you yes. got to go to the Harry Potter Museum. I was like, oh, this is so cool. Like you've had such an incredible story. You're an electrical engineer. I mean, you've got so much in your life. That's like what a lot of people would consider success. So mm-hmm. why did you feel it was so important to be super vulnerable? And like, where did you find the courage to write a book like this where you really open up your heart? Yeah, I think when I was struggling with all my single stuff, I didn't find anything that necessarily had this angle on singleness. And I wish that existed because I'm like, 
man, if I would have had this when I first became single, my life would have been very different and I wouldn't have struggled for so many years. Mm -hmm. But to be honest, I had the idea and it was kind of a whisper in my mind. And it took me a long time to actually sit down and write it because I struggled of, you know, I'm an electrical engineer. I didn't go to school to write books. What do I think I'm doing trying to yeah. write a book? Uh, so it took me a long time. But I think some of the things that helped me a lot were the fact that I really related to people who opened up about their stories and everyone from, you know, artists who are just really vulnerable in their songs. And then I saw how many people connected with them, how I connected with them to other stories or people in my real life who once they started sharing what actually happened to them, it's like, oh, my goodness, we can have a real conversation. Finally, yes. this is what it's actually about. So as I kind of grew um, in my singleness, I also grew a lot in my experiences are God's, you know, he gave me these, he let me go through all this and I don't need to cling to them and hide them. I can use it to try to further the kingdom, to try to spread God's word, to try to do all those things. So yes. either I can be self-conscious and just keep it to myself, or I can put it out there and trust that God will maybe do something with them. <laughs> so I did it. It's funny because writing it by yourself every single night is one thing. But now that the book is actually out, it's like, okay, people are reading this, but it's, it's good. I'm excited for it. And people are <laughs> quoting you back to you. Like, what is yes. that like? I'm literally like, oh. so on page eight, you wrote da 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 da. Like, how, how does that feel in this moment right now when you're doing that? I think it's like, I don't know, it feels really weird to me. Like, it's just so <laughs> strange. Like, okay, yeah, that's like people are reading this and telling me about it. I think the funny time is when friends talk to me and I talk about a problem or something and then they're like, oh, well, I read this book that says this. And then they like quote myself to me to help with the problem. Oh, like, oh okay. yes. <laughs> and you know what? Like there's, you know, in the book you wrote that like, you know, you kind of have a hard time telling a big part of your story and that, you mm -hmm. know, it's kind of like, you're allowing us to look into your journal. Yes. Yes. Like, totally. like, and you get the car. I mean, you mentioned already that like, you see the importance of writing this story because that's what you want. Oh, that's mm -hmm. what you wanted. But where did you get the courage to do it? Like, I mean, what is it? God telling you or something? Is it like you, you experience something and you're like, now I have to, I have to do mm -hmm. this thing. This is my calling in life. I was always supposed to write, but like, what is the, how, where did you find the courage to be able to actually do this? Yeah, I think it wasn't just one experience. It was slowly doing it. And I kind of sat down and outlined my whole book and I didn't want it to be about me. So I didn't even put my story in at first. But then again, I think it was specifically the rapper NF who like he's Christian oh, yeah. and he he is so vulnerable and how he shares about all the terrible things he's gone through and stuff like that. And listening to that, it's like, I haven't gone through what he's gone through, but I understand, like, I, I have relate. sympathy for it. I mm -hmm. relate to it. Um, so I feel like at the time I started listening to him a lot and, and then other artists and things like that, where they just share their story and you're like, wow, I feel so encouraged because you chose to cross that line and yeah. share your story. So I, yeah, I honestly like outlined the book, started writing it. And then it just hit me as I realized the things I relate to the most are when people are vulnerable, when people yeah. are open. So I was like, if I was myself reading this book when I first became single, it would just mean a lot more to know this person mm -hmm. has been through it too. This person has gone through something hard also, yeah. rather than I, I hate when, you know, people try to give you advice and they're not connecting with you first. They're just like, you need to do these 10 things. And I'm like, cool, but like, you don't get where I'm at. <laughs> yes. You don't get what I'm going through. Oh. So for me, it was, I really need to connect with people reading it. 
and show I do understand because I've gone through it. I'm going Ooh. through it, all of those things. And yes. then from that, let's figure out together how to, you know, dominate the season of life with everything. Love that. Dominate this season of life. Like, I just love it. Like, I think even um, what you mentioned about being in it and sharing the story right now, like I've said it already, but I'll say it again. Like, there's just not that much content that speaks about when you're in it in the moment. And also we have to allow ourselves to actually share our story with others so that we can, like, how are you doing singleness? Well, how are you doing singleness? Because yes. we're so different and our stories are so varied, um, which is why we started this podcast. I was like, it's all about the stories. Um, mm -hmm. There's another thing you mentioned here. I am quoting you to you again, but <laughs> it doesn't say um, the uh, uh, God has plans for you to be married or to find a spouse or whatever. It's like yep. God has plans for you and your life. Like that's, the be all and end all right and so um i appreciate that your story is in here but it's also so rooted in the bible like mm -hmm. literally i i mean i wrote so i did a lot of highlighting and i'm such a slow reader but i did get a good good like kind of understanding of each chapter talks about a person in the Bible, Jeremiah, Lazarus, Hagar, Paul, Joseph, Mary, Mary Magdalene, ne Nehemiah, and Ruth. Like it's so biblically grounded but before we get into the actual that part of the book which I am excited to get into but I actually want to read a bit about um about the book and about your story within the book okay. because I think that's really going to kind of I mean you're just brave to share it and so I just want to read this short part here about the book it says a god-designed life does not start when you say I do or when you get engaged, or even when you meet the one. I hold up like quotation marks, the one. It's been happening as long as you've been alive. Even if you are single and wish you weren't, Hannah Shermerhorn knows what it's like. She was months away from getting married when her wedding was called off. She feared being single again, but in the following years, God taught her many hard lessons that transformed her bitterness into authentic joy. In A Single Life to Live, that's the book, ladies. That's the one you got to get. Hannah draws from the diverse experiences of single people in the Bible and debunks common myths and misunderstandings about singleness. Come on. Like, first Man. of all, debunking the myths. Like, is there anything that you're like, I'm so glad I got to speak about this in the book because this is one of the biggest myths. Did you have a statement or something that you stand on where you're like, oh, I'm so glad yeah. I got to mention that. Yeah, I feel like there's so many, so it's mm -hmm. hard to even pick one. But I think just like all the bad single advice, like you'll find someone when you stop, stop looking and like all of those weird, <laughs> very common things that people say to try to be comforting, but yeah. aren't true at all. I, I don't even know if I can pick one, but like there's but that's so a good many. one. That's a good yeah. one. I'm like, yeah. when do I stop thinking about it? I'm like, when I'm yeah. really hungry, I'm really considering food. But right. other than that, I'm kind of thinking about like when my partner will arrive all the yes. time. Yes, time. and it's not like everyone who's married just stopped thinking about it. Mm -hmm. Like, that's not true at all. So, yeah, yeah a there's a lot of angst behind so many things, I think, that are in there. Yeah. And maybe maybe the particular one was, like, you need to be in a relationship to be happy or, like, God has someone for you for sure. Like, things like that that are just, no, we should live our life in a very different way because that's not what the Bible says. Exactly. Exactly. And I do think that I have to give them like my married friends or like team a, in a sense, like they're yes. kind of do in that. I think most times 
even though hearing those things like, um, oh, when you stop thinking about you get married or like it'll happen when you least expect it or like, I just know he's coming around the corner or whatever. Um, yes. I'm like, tell him to speed up. But um, <laughs> when I feel like that they say those things, I know it's because, you know, they themselves see such joy in marriage. And like, also, we love marriage. We're so down. Absolutely. Yeah. But it's more like I think they so want us to be as happy as they are. They can't even imagine the joy we actually have in singleness that like two yep. things can be the same. You can be single and happy about it and sad about it and mm-hmm. desire to be married. Like all those things can be true. And so I just, I'm grateful that you've died. You've kind of taken the moment to dive into that and talk about the fact that like all of that can be true. And then mm-hmm. on top of that, you've picked people in the Bible to show that like I'm, I literally picked out one, which was actually, I'll ask you the question. <laughs> um, who in the Bible have you featured that you feel is one of the most helpful figures in regards to singleness? I feel like for me personally, one of the first ones that stuck out for me was Joseph Ooh. because he was single for a long time before he got married. He, you know, was sold by his brothers into slavery and then he was kicked out of you know slavery and went to prison And in every single circumstance he was in, he just was like, I'm going to make the most out of what's going on in my life. Mm -hmm. And none of those things, I I don't think he would have picked any of those things for his life. And it's really easy for me to read his story and think, oh, this great ending is coming. And I know it's coming because I've been learning it from the time I was a little kid. But he didn't know that was coming. And he still said, hey, I'm in this crazy circumstance that probably won't put myself in, but I'm going to work hard. I'm going to let my light shine and I'm going to be, you know, an example of what God does to people and what my life is. So for him, I thought the same thing of, you know, I'm not happy about my circumstances. I'm not necessarily happy I'm single, but I can use this time that God's allowing me to be in to try to do the same thing, try to be a light, try to let my light shine for other people. So that was like a wake up call for me thinking about his story. Mm -hmm. Because I think it's like, as I said, it's easier in hindsight to be like, oh, that's what you were doing, God. Like, yes, I could, you know, and so I can like um, enjoy my singleness as a past part in my life. But being Mm -hmm. in it and being like, this is not exactly where I want to be. This is not also what I dreamed my life would be. Right. But God is faithful right now and he's trustworthy with my life today and my life in the future. And that's why, yeah, I really love that. You picked a great one. And I think um, just even like there's so many, but I even think that like often in the Bible, we don't know for sure. You even mentioned that, like we're not sure if these people had husbands or wives or whatever it was, but Mm -hmm. it wasn't mentioned. And the Bible is not coincidental. No part of it is coincidental. So if you didn't mention it, it really wasn't that important to their story. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) Like, right. You know, so it's like, um, so I thought that was really interesting too, because, um, you know, rarely do we get the sermon on a March morning at church on a Sunday morning. It's usually like right on in during February, they'll tell stories of people in the Bible to to do with marriage or there's always that Boaz story that, and and I think that those always happen during February. But like, wouldn't it be cool if we did a sermon in November that was about uh, the singleness of Joseph? Like, come on. Yes. You know, that's what was surprising to me when I started reading the Bible through the lens of singleness and thinking about, okay, how does this apply to me in my singleness mm-hmm. today? And just thinking about that with every story, because before, you know, you read the Bible and you're like, cool, there's all these great things. But when I'm like, okay, what does this mean to me today? Yeah. I was surprised by how much was applicable 
and even the amount of stuff that I didn't put in my book, like there's just so much out there that's like, this is what it means to be single. And we've got so much support, so much encouragement yeah. versus the, you know, yeah, occasional like one sermon that we might get in <laughs> singleness where it's like very small mention of singleness. Like yeah. there's so much that's helpful. There is. And it's like, I get so excited about meeting authors like you because when it's so biblically, biblically grounded, you, I mean, I feel like on the Sunday, sometimes the message is about, um, from the perspective of someone who's married. So um, I have to hear the story and kind of like change it around a bit. Yeah. You know, when it's like um, the pastor says something like, uh, oh, like I do not know what, where I would be without my wife. I go, I literally have no context for that. Like, I don't know. <laughs> yes. You know, and so that's why I love like being able to hear from someone who's like, no, like this is, I wouldn't be anywhere without my, I don't know, journaling or my prayer right. life. Come on. Like, you know, yes. like, um, anyway, so for right now in this moment, I want to kind of like shift gears a little bit because sure. we are talking about really vulnerable stuff, but I kind of want to get to know you as well on like a, kind of like a homegirl like level. Yeah. And Sounds so good. I didn't give a heads up to Hannah, just so you know, people who are listening in, um, <laughs> this is a really kind of like, I created this game. So it's, it's, it's odd. It's really Ooh, odd. Game. But, this um, is good. I'm calling it tea or pass. So here's how I explained okay. it. Okay. So when you say like I'm spilling the tea, it's like you're giving the goods. Like you're giving me good advice. Usually it's gossip, but I'm saying like it'd be good advice. So um, okay. we're going to spill the tea on some things. So essentially, if I'm going to say some practices or statements, and all I need you to say is tea, if it's great advice or you love <laughs> it or you do this. And then pass if it's like, no, thanks. I'm not for it. Okay. That sounds that sound great. Okay, okay great. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. So first things first, journaling, tea or pass? Oh, tea for sure. I, I journal all the time. I love it. I love it so much. Are you like, a, um, I'm only going to journal when I'm sad and really, really happy. Or are you like a daily journaler? What's your life with no. that? I try to do daily. I started reading The Artist's Way, which really encourages like waking up every day and just writing like morning pages, like a couple pages of journaling to like get out whatever is in your brain and put it out there. So I try to do that. I just can't say I do it every single day, right. but that's like a nice just like brain dump. Here's what I'm thinking. And then it also helps like when I'm thinking other things on just having that process of getting it out very easily and very quickly. So I write about all sorts of nonsense to, okay, here's what I'm feeling. I'll yeah. write a poem about it. Like it could yeah. be literally anything. So for me, I found that is a great way for me to get out my thoughts and work Ooh. through things. And I also am big into prayer journaling too, because like writing is so intense for me. So writing prayers is a great way for me to do it too. That's so good, Hannah. Like I literally want to kind of hammer home that moment of like, just to get your thoughts on paper, it's really helpful to journal, but also the prayers. Like I've just started doing that yeah. quite recently, actually writing down prayers. Yeah. Um, but kind of another side question I have with that is, have you ever read back your journal? Like, yes, do you I do was that? just going to say that too. Yeah. And it's, it's very cool, especially with prayer journal of like, here's what I was asking for. And this has happened so many times in my life. God didn't allow that to happen, but here's the way better thing that came because he said no to that thing. Mm. Like that is a thing I have seen over and over and over. And especially yeah. like in my book and everything too, that's like, wow, this is really great that he said no to these things because this other stuff came along, but it's cool to be able to kind of map out that journey. Yes. Um, and just like in the Bible, there's the, the concept of Ebenezer where God has brought us this far and mm -hmm. he'll continue to bring us forward in the future. They put down that rock to remember that. So Come I think on. just That's having good. those like physical reminders of that, even if it's just as simple as prayer journaling is yeah. like, okay, he's done this before. 
I can trust him again. So it's really hey, nice. Man, that's so good. I think even for myself in re- uh, reading them back, um, and sometimes it's voice notes too. I'm like, I'm just going to cry um, on my phone right now. Um, yes. But I feel for that girl. Like I remember my last breakup was about three years ago. And um, when I was going through it, I I wrote down stuff that sounded so like tragic, like just like um, actually you even have like a wait, let me find it because this is actually you wrote some stuff down. OK, so these are some of the lies. So I you wrote about lies in it and how like Satan will like take some things and make and you make it real to you. And mm-hmm. then he'll like kind of like um ruin your perspective on the way you look at God or like you don't understand the true character of God because you're in this space of like kind of lies and I've got some here one was um feeling like you'll always be single harboring Mm -hmm. jealousy for friends relationships and then this one feeling angry and untrusting towards God for allowing him to let you suffer for so long like I used to write that down this is these are literally my words I feel like that I would write (laughs) in my journal like okay God like you know why have you let me suffer this long like why me you know um so I just yeah I love that you wrote those I feel like that's like a word for a lot of us is these are lies. And I will get into like what you do when you're, you know, suffocating in the lies of Satan. But um, to continue with our game, uh, the next part (laughs) is do, do, do therapy. Tea or pass? Tea for sure. Mm. I have done a lot of therapy and I think I even mentioned in the book um, that like the reason or doing therapy has allowed me to write about a lot of the things I wrote about and also kind of create like a formulaic. My engineering background really likes that, mm. but a formulaic process for attacking some of the lies we believe and yeah. other issues, you know, that we struggle with in singleness. So yes. I'm all for therapy. I just, it's great. It's yeah, great. <laughs> I'm the same way. T all, all the way. Like I've definitely done it in parts of my life I have never had a therapist like for years at a time it's usually like mm-hmm. <laughs> crisis management but yes, I would love to right don't you agree like sometimes you're like yes. oh I need therapy um yes. but I think it would be great to like continue through with the person all the way through um yes either way it's like nice. whatever yeah. works for you right yeah it's nice because you just get like an outside perspective too rather than you know friends and family will give you good advice and things mm. like that but having that other person is just very nice very helpful yeah and even like I had a therapist a couple actually during pandemic so like all through pandemic I had one and she was like from a totally different culture and what was helpful about that was she could see from the outside in like oh this is the way you see church this is the way you um pray communicate with others that sort of thing this is how we do it here and she was able to just see things about the way I was living my life that would have been blind spots for me just because she was part of a different culture so yeah that's so cool yeah that one was really cool for me okay next okay this is like a little (laughs) bit silly but I just wanted to know I'm just nosy um crying in church tea or pass tea I think I try not to but I definitely do like I think like my logical side is like pass like I don't want to do that but then you know, like even I'll go to church and like the first song starts playing. I'm just like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> like crying. I was like, I didn't even realize like this was going to hit me this hard. And right. Yeah. I think I grew up in more like a traditional church, too. Okay. So there wasn't a lot of crying or emotion necessarily shown. Um, it's kind of changed. But yeah, especially now, I think after I've gone through everything, like, you know, written the book, everything like that, it's just like, God's so good. And sometimes it just like hits you so yes. hard. So I, I cry in church sometimes it's like every week and I'm like, wow, yeah. 
Yeah. And then other times it's not for a long time. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that's lately it's been like that. So I have a, my friend Tanya, we sit next to each other every single Sunday and my friend Sheena sits next to her and literally we'll, we'll always wear mascara for some reason. I don't know why yes. we wear mascara to church. You just shouldn't just wear it. Just don't wear mascara to church. Yes. But I love a good look on a Sunday. Yes. So I go and like I remember singing, I forget what song it was this year, this um, Sunday. But I look to my left, everyone's just weeping. <laughs> I mean, ugly cry. And the yes. thing I want to tell church leaders out there is, if you're going to put that song that makes us all weep, don't do the, like, say hi to your neighbor immediately <gasps> after because I have to figure out, like, my whole whole moment. Yes. I'm, like, super vulnerable. And I'm like, hey, hi, I'm Misha. It's so hard right after that. So that's my message oh. to all church leaders. Yes, super controversial. My, but choose something upbeat right before that moment so I can gather yeah. myself. That's very smart. That's good. <laughs> All right. Coming up next. This is also controversial. <laughs> Calling God daddy. Oh. Like daddy God or like daddy God, yeah. like T or pass. I personally pass. I'm not condemning people who do it. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I might say dad, daddy. I don't know. There's nothing wrong with it. I yeah. just personally don't do it. <laughs> Same. I'm like, I've heard it before and I just see like such a vulnerable, like such an intimacy when I hear, and usually it's women praying to God and then they say daddy God. And I go, oh, that's so uncomfortable for me to hear. But at the same time, I'm like so proud of them that they've reached this intimacy where they call him daddy. Yes. You know? Yes. So yeah. it is a pass for me, but also like a hoorah if you are, if he's yes, your daddy I, god. Yes, I feel the same way. We're just, I don't know. I would laugh in yeah. my head if I did it. I yeah. think that's my problem. So, <laughs> daddy god. Um, And then finally for tea or pass, a morning coffee. Are you a morning coffee gal? Oh, I'm pass. I don't do caffeine, actually. Oh. I like... I found out that caffeine is kind of weird for me where if I drink it, like it just makes me sad or makes me cry. And I love oh, wow. like I loved coffee. So I just noticed every day that I would drink it, I would just cry and I wouldn't know why. Wow. <laughs> so apparently it's a thing that happens to some people. Um, so I love it, but I have to be really careful about it. And if I'm traveling or something, normally if I'm really tired, I can do it. But on a regular basis, tea is fine. Mm -hmm. So I'll sometimes do tea. But in general, I don't do any caffeine and so you I'm say really you're like pass but also tea because like you prefer tea yeah, yeah. so let's just go I, there yeah I like coffee better but tea is better for my brain it seems oh, <laughs> I like it and you know that's mm -hmm. so funny because now I, I get what you're saying I definitely go easy on the coffee um and it, for me it's more uh I don't need any help to get anxious yes, about things exactly that's my problem mm -hmm. so usually if I go a bit too, um, if I have too much, too many cups, like I usually just do a half a cup in the morning and a half a cup at like two o'clock, because if yeah. I do more than that, generally, um, all of the things that usually come up, like, Oh, what is this person thinking about me? Or like, you know, does my pant, do I look like bigger in the, these pants versus those pants? Like I wear black jeans, not blue jeans because black jeans feel slimming and th that whole thing. Yes. If yes. I have coffee, it's like all those questions just multiply. Yes. And that's what I, for me, I'm like, I don't need anything to add to, like, mm -hmm. I need whatever I can to fight it versus, you know, adding to it. But every now and then I definitely give in and have a nice cup of coffee. And mm. then sometimes it's fun and sometimes it's like, nope, why did you do this? <laughs> <laughs> well, Hannah, thank you for playing tea or pass. You've been the very first guest to play this game Yay. I created. <laughs> I'm so, so thank honored. You. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we're going to head right back in. So I, I wanted to talk specifically about the lies we tell ourselves and yeah. how you overcome it. Like in your story of like, um, 
basically an, an engagement being broken off so soon before a wedding. Like, and I literally went from a game to like super intense stuff, which I get. But <laughs> it's, I like it. it's like, woo. Yes. Um, but like, I can only imagine like the vulnerability. And you still talk about it in your book where you were at directly after. I think you went back to class or something like right after it happened. And yeah. And like, I can only imagine the devil being like, this is the greatest opportunity to come at you with all of the lies. So for you, mm-hmm. like, I mean, looking back, how were you able to overcome that space? Like, how long did it take? When would you say the healing began? Like all that sort of stuff. Yeah, I think for me, there was a little bit of a struggle. So for a couple months of should we break off this wedding or not? So that was a really hard thing for me, like the struggle of deciding what to do with the decision. So I think once the decision was made, that was almost a little bit more freeing where I could start healing from everything. But I would say it still took a long time, probably like a good three to four months of just like being super upset. I did a ton of therapy during that Mm. time, too. I think that's when I started doing therapy because I really, really needed it. Yeah. Um, And that helped me to kind of see like the little happy things in life and look forward to those things. But it took a long time. And I think about maybe like eight months later, my best friend and I from childhood went and backpacked through Europe. And that was probably like a great, like really building like, okay, we're going to make new happy life experiences. We're going to travel the world. We're going to meet different people in different cultures, see what life is like for different people. Um, And I think like that was the experience where I finally, which was probably, yeah, like a year later, was finally like changing my life, opening up again, feeling like, okay, there are really good things in life and God does have plans, you know, like believing the things that I needed to believe, like I knew, but finally actually embracing them. So it took me a while of struggling for sure too. And and in breaking off the engagement too, there's everything from like, oh, I have to tell everyone this wedding's not happening again, Mm -hmm. you know, over and over and like calling vendors and canceling things. I have this wedding dress. What am I supposed to do with that? There's so many hard things. And then me just thinking like, there's no plan. My life, you know, has been ruined because my plans were canceled and and all of those things. So I struggled with all, all sorts of lies. And there is a lot in the beginning and then more and more kind of kept creeping out as time passed by. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that was a little surprising to me too. It's like, Oh, I got this lie. I figured this out. I'm reassured. And that's like, Oh, here's another one. That's going to sneak up at you. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So would you say it was kind of like, I don't know, rushing waves of like, okay, I've, I've gotten through that one and now I'm on to the next one. And here comes another one. When did you, when did the, when this is going to get super metaphorical, but when did the waves get a little bit smaller? When was it a bit more digestible specifically regarding the engagement? Yeah. I think, again, I think like when the decision was made, that was probably like all the waves were leading up to that. And then it helped a little bit because it's like, okay, I now know what's happening at least that kind of thing. But then, yeah, it was those first couple months and it was like cold winter Wisconsin where you don't see the sunlight. (laughs) And I remember like just trying to like wake up early and go work out because I needed to do something and it was so cold. And that doesn't help anyways, you know, like (laughs) it can be hard in the winter to be happy without sunlight regardless. Um, So I think that was hard. But then it was when I started to plan things and started to be excited about things. So that was probably, yeah, like two or three months after the breakup that things started looking a little happier. And I wouldn't say by any means that I was happy. I was good then. It took Mm -hmm. years to get to that place for Mm -hmm. sure. But it at least allowed me to fight a little bit harder 
and fight a little bit harder every single day to kind of build up on that foundation um where in the beginning it's just like ah, i'm drowning what am i supposed to do yes. and then like every single day just like learning a little bit more you know talking to people who were encouraging reading more in the bible that was helpful and then all the pieces started falling together too oh, so honestly like it was i think six years after all of that that i wrote my book so it's like that's when i finally was like oh i'm good okay <laughs> so it wasn't it wasn't an easy process but it was like you know years years yeah. to get there mm-hmm. oh i'm so glad like i'm glad first of all that you just listed out all the things that you did during that time and I'm glad that you gave a shout out to your friend who you went to Europe with because you need a good friend to get through those hard times. Yes. Yeah. And that was so life giving, I think, too, because one of the hard things of singleness for me was you're doing all this stuff with one person. You're talking to them about everything. You know, you're eating dinner with them. You're telling them how your day went. And then all of a sudden they're gone. So yeah. it's like, whoa, there's this gap in my life of who do I talk to? Who do I hang out with? All of these things. So having a friend who it was just the two of us traveling around Europe together, like her and I were talking every day, we're hanging out every day, like our lives were together. That was just a very refreshing, like, no, I don't need that romantic relationship to have this. I have friends who can help with all of this. So that was really, really nice. Oh, I love that. I love that. This is so good. Like, I just feel like this is really going to help some women today. Like, as you said before, like you heard NF stories and we're like, I'm inspired. I don't relate exactly to this story, but I get suffering. And I mm-hmm. think whether they've experienced what you experienced or not, this is really going to help them. And I will definitely be an advocate for this book because I've really been enjoying it. Um, before we wrap up, I just wanted to say too, in this book, A Single Life to Live for those who are listening, it's really good for small groups. There's a lot of really interactive stuff in there where you can actually write out some stuff. So when you buy the book, I shouldn't say if you, when you buy the book, get two, give it to your best girlfriend, the one you would take to Europe um, and do it kind of alongside. Cause that's what I hope to do with some of my friends is go through the book. And uh, it's just good sometimes to talk about singleness and to talk about our single lives. But at the same time, wouldn't it be better if we could also do it alongside a Bible study, like actually go to yes. the word and go to scripture. So um, that's how I recommend it. Final things, Hannah, I'd love to ask you, what is a takeaway? What do you want to tell all the single women who are listening, who desire to be married, who are women of God? Um, what do you want to leave with them? Yeah, I think that the foundation for me in singleness was realizing that my identity was that I'm loved by God and not that I'm single. I think I associate all these bad things with myself of like, you're not chosen, you're not loved, you know, there's nothing going to happen in your life. But then when I finally believed, like fully believed that my identity is, no, God loves me, Mm -hmm. that really turned the page in my mind of, no, I'm chosen, I'm loved, God does have plans for me, there's all this good stuff associated with it. So that was a huge foundation for me. Um, But I think the maybe like even more kind of take home thing, because that's like something you know, but you're like, okay, I gotta put this in practice. Uh I think that singleness is just like a great opportunity for us to really show the world what it means to be loved by God, because it doesn't make sense to most people, society and things like that, to be single and be happy. Mm-hmm. I have so many non-Christian friends who are like, oh, you know, you need to get married. Oh, you, you're not dating someone. I'm so sorry. And yeah. when you start going, no, I'm fine. Like, yeah, I would like to be married, but I'm totally happy. That just shocks people. They're like, <laughs> wait, how are you happy? I've been married for however many years and I'm not happy, but you're happy. Like hey. this doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. So I think that singleness is a really cool way that we can show like we are maybe like look like we're incomplete to, you know, some people, but it's like, no, we're whole in God and 
look at what we what God can do through this in our singleness. So I think that's kind of a cool thing that I've noticed as I've talked to more people about it. That's like, oh, this is a good way to to get in like, you know, a little Christian plug here when hey. I talk about singleness. Uh-huh. So yeah, I definitely like doing that. So good. Thank you so much, Hannah. This has been even better than I thought it would be because we got deep, girl. Like now I know about your addiction to tea. Um, I'm just kidding. Um, But I'm just so grateful to have gotten a chance to hang out with you. We're going to put where to find this book, A Single Life to Live, into the show notes. Please head out and get that. Um, I got my copy. No one's going to get it until I'm all the way done and all the dog ears are happening and the highlights are gone or in there. But um, definitely look out for Hannah. Thank you so much for coming on the show today, Hannah. Yes, thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to My Single Story. Follow us on Instagram at My Single Story Podcast and check out our Facebook group to meet like-minded single women of God drawing nearer to Him. See you next time. XOXO, Nisha. If you need prayer, call the Crossroads 24-7 prayer line. The prayer partners provide over 1,300 prayer interactions daily and they are ready to receive your call. Dial 1-866-273-4444. They are waiting to hear from you.